Hi, this is Ann Cavera with another episode of Speeding Past 80. Today I have an interview with Marjorie Clayton. She lives in Canada. She is a photographer who travels all over the world. Uh, she spent a lot of time in Bolivia, and uh, I've met her online and just think her life is fascinating, and I think you will too. I am just so happy to be able to talk to you. I, I think we will have about 20 minutes for this initial conversation. We could have other conversations too, if that's okay. I would love that. Um, I just want to know who you are. You know, I think it is so interesting that you have the inner freedom to travel the world and take these wonderful photographs. Now, tell me about how you got into doing this. How did you how did you do this? Well, you know what? Let's start a little bit. Uh, let's go back a bit to my dad and uh, my mother. Um, they grew up in an era of the Depression. Uh, and um, they were unusual people because they were both artists. Oh, and they they were very wise, both of them, and and really believed in um, following your happiness and not to underrate happiness. Happiness is is pretty important. So they didn't go for prestige or oh, you know, you have to go to university so you can have this good title. No. So when there was a program I had seen, I've always, since I was a little girl, I was always interested in culture in different countries and, and people and going to remote places that, you know, other people didn't go. I, since I can remember, I was interested in that and maps and all that kind of thing. My dad had a National Geographic collection in our basement. And anytime you're bored, you just go down there and pick a few and just go through them. And I, they'd keep me entertained for a long time. I just look at them. Wow. I wonder what life like there wow I need to go there someday when I'm big I'm gonna go there and my parents they didn't say oh you can't do that or oh you know uh you need to get be responsible I mean there was a little bit of that you know like you need to be able to support yourself but you need to follow your dreams and um they even allowed me to take a uh, photography uh they were paying for it so you know <laughs> and it's like what did you want to take in in college or university I said I, I want to take the photography course and my mom one day said to me, um, what are your expectations of this? I said, you know, I don't think I'll get a job unless I want to be a wedding photographer or I want to work in a photo lab, but I want to do it for me because I love it. My dad introduced it to me when I was 11. He showed me how to photograph. Um, and since then, I was really interested to learn more. And so they said, okay, you know, that that's fine. So they put me through two years of that. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, I had an opportunity to go to Bolivia and Canada World Youth. And I remember my auntie, who's usually pretty open-minded. She's pretty awesome, like my like my father. But she's like, is your mother going to let you go? Like, <laughs> yeah. And I, I said to my mom after it, like I told her about my conversation with my aunt. She goes, you know what? Had I had that opportunity in my in my youth, I would have taken it. But I didn't. So if you want to do it, do it. Don't have regrets when you're older. And also, I said to my dad one time, I remember, when I retire, I'm going to. He says, what are you talking about? You're like 20-something. <laughs> Why are you thinking about that? Do it now. Like, what are you waiting for? Why do you want to put your life on hold until then? It's like, okay. So I would work. 
a minimum wage job in a lab because I finally got in a, a lab in my town. And then I remember asking, you know, can I have a couple months off unpaid? And he said, no, you can have two weeks off every year, but you can't take them together. You, you can only take one week at a time. We get busy, so we can't really afford to have you take it all at once. So I sat with that a while. And then I just thought, I know it was really hard to get this job. And it was. It was hard to get that job because he wanted you to go on a government program so that, you know, he could get a, a bit of a grant support for training me. And I, I worked there for three years. And then I just said, I quit. I'm, I'm going to Bolivia. And since I'm quitting, I'm going to make it count. So the second time I went to Bolivia, um, I went for six months. Wow. And then the third time I went for a year because six months wasn't long enough. <laughs> So I went for a year and uh, that's about the most I can do unless I want to try to get citizenship or something. And that's a bit more complicated. So, But you took pictures while you were there, didn't you? I did. Anywhere I go, like I've lived in England for 14 years and uh, I spent uh, quite a significant amount of time in Ghana, West Africa, and some time in Gambia also. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Initially, I think uh, there was a lot of motive behind that, you know, the image, the lighting and getting to know the people and their story behind the picture. Now, I think I realize now, actually, that photography was just a vehicle for me to get in there and get to know the people and have a different experience and learn a different perspective and make friends all around the world. The photographs were like a bonus. In the beginning, I don't think I realized that. It's like, oh, I need to get this picture. Yeah, it would be nice. Let's get the pictures. That's nice. But not to, you can't sacrifice. I don't want to sacrifice the relationship I have, say, with my Bolivian family. They don't want me to take pictures. Okay. But you know, I probably got much better pictures with that approach. Let me get to know the people. Let me get to know their stories. Rather than if you had gone in and said, let me take your picture. Well, you know what? And the thing is this. There's a bazillion excellent photographers and a bazillion more than ever before photographs that you can find on the internet, a lot better than my photographs. But one editor in in the UK, uh, I I went to meet with him before I moved back to Canada. And he said, the difference between you and everybody else, because there are a lot of great photographers, is you can tell me a story about almost any of your pictures. You know the names of, of the majority of the people. You can give backstory. You could say what happened to them in 85, 90, 95, 99, 2002. You know what I mean? Like I follow them. So now I've got my immediate Bolivian family in the case of Bolivia. Then I've got um, their kids. And now we're on to the third generation now. My nieces are having kids. And it's awesome. So you have extended family all over the world. Yeah, and mostly in Bolivia, but also in in Ghana. I've got uh, I've got friends in Ghana too. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them have passed away. Life in Ghana is not easy, uh, and the people I know aren't rich. So, as you know, because you've traveled there, I mean, you can die of the flu because if you're already poor and not well fed, you just need one little event to tip the balance. I remember asking the Liberian mother one time how many children she had. She said, seven, two alive, five dead, because childbirth was such a risky thing. Yeah, their lives were hard, very, very hard. And, uh, you know, we can't imagine how other people live sometimes unless you go there. 
I think that was one of the great things about Peace Corps. So many of us went there. You know, we really found out how other people were living. And that's what you did when you went to Bolivia. Now, you also went to Peru, right? Uh, that's a more recent development. The last, uh, well, since 2017, I think, or 2018. So I spend quite a bit of time there, too. But my my network isn't nearly as developed as in Bolivia or even Ghana. I am actually an introvert, and I find it really difficult to approach people unless I have a reason. And photography was my reason before, right? Oh, the light is so amazing. What you're doing is so interesting. And can I please take your picture? And then from there, I I often will have like a friendship. We'll have a conversation, and I'll, I'll go back and you know give them their picture and have another conversation, and and it develops from there, right? That's wonderful. That is just wonderful. So you live in Canada now, and you travel once or twice a year, or sometimes more often? No, I uh, I tend to make it uh, once a year. That's not always the case, but I'd say it's the norm. Sometimes I don't travel at all. And I do want people to know where they can see your photographs. I pulled them up. Um, I don't know if it was on YouTube, but you told me how to get to them. I saw like a portfolio of your photographs. How can people see those? So it's Aminus, Google Marge Clayton Aminus 3. I'm not even sure what it is. I don't, I haven't updated it in years. Um, like I mentioned to you, photography is really important to me. But right now, uh, well, the last, through COVID, I was uh, writing and I'm not a writer. I think, I, I don't know if I got dyslexia or what, but there's something going on. And I find things like that really, really challenging. Uh, but I have a mentor here in Thunder Bay. I belong to a writer's group. And I've been writing and rewriting and rewriting my stories. And right now I've got about 85 stories from my time in Bolivia with my family, but also some uh, of the time in England and the influence of my father. It's like uh, honoring all the people in my life who have influenced me and inspired me. And I'm putting these stories together and I'm not done. Uh, I'm still doing them. So photography, like people, even now they'll say, Oh, so I bet you took a lot of pictures. I didn't. I didn't take a lot of pictures this time. I took when I could. I didn't push it. If someone said, no, I don't want pictures, I didn't take them. My Bolivian family, I had a field day. I've got my couple of my favorite brothers. Shouldn't have favorites. Whoops. And uh, I photographed them and their kids. And I went uh, shepherding with uh, uh, my brother's uh, wife and his kids. And we photographed. I photographed the clouds. I did some time lapses of the clouds because I think that's so cool. And I'm just wondering how all this material is going to put together. I, I'm thinking of events, like, like I said to you before. So to create community and to share stories and to uh, to inspire connection amongst one another and amongst within ourselves too. Because I find my city, I don't know if it's because of the cold climate or because we're a little bit isolated. We're a northern city in uh, Ontario. Um, I don't find it's very easy to make friends here. Uh, the friends that I have, my best friends are from high school and from primary school. Uh, other than that, I, I, oh, and my new friend, uh, who, my mentor from the writers group, but I find it really difficult. And I thought, you know, first I'm going to start my house, but then I want to go to a community center. I want to, so that people in the group, they'll come, 
They'll they'll do some activities, some icebreakers. They might make some friends there. Maybe they'll come to the next one. Maybe they won't, but maybe they'll continue. They might make a friend or or a meaningful connection or even just feel seen. That's wonderful. And you know, people who see who you are and they see into your soul and they respond to that. If you gather five people and they leave feeling seen, you may have done more for them than anybody's done for them in a long time. Really, and that's the key, finding these different like games or icebreakers or like the storytelling. I want to do that as part of the thing, like tell one of my stories and then hopefully inspire somebody else to tell one of their stories or bring an item, an item from home that's meaningful to you in some way and explain why. Oh, that's well, good. So that, uh, yeah, so they feel connected. Let's see. Let's see how we go. Well, I think that's wonderful. Are you in a large community or is Thunder Bay a small community? It's about 109,000 people, but we're really spread out. Yeah. We're also the crime capital. I'm not sure of all of Canada, but at least of uh, my province. Oh, I'm so Um, sorry. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And, you know, there's a very, uh, if you're interested, there's a very uh, interesting Canadian He's of Hungarian uh, descent. Who he's a doctor in uh, BC. He specializes in dealing with uh, or helping people with addictions, and he's written several books. And on YouTube, he's got lots of chats. His name is Gabor Mate. He's amazing, and he talks about society and how we are kind of programmed. Um, and he gives examples on on almost disconnection. Uh, and connection, he said, is everything. It's at the root of most of the problems with addiction. It's a combination of having trauma in your life and not feeling a sense of connection. And when they go to the drugs or the alcohol, that's what they're looking for. Sure. They're looking for to feel connected. It's not an authentic connection, no. you know, that you'd have between a person. But that's the only thing that they found, you know. So it's that that lack of connection. That makes people look for these other, I don't want to say avenues. Um, and I, I, Brene Brown also. Uh, I she's love her work. Me too. And she talks about that too. Being vulnerable, being authentic, and finding connection, like a real connection. Not like, oh, you're wearing Gucci too. No, no, no. Not that kind of connection. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. yes, I do. You know, I'm going to have to wrap this up. But I just want to talk to you again. Me too. We'll email back and forth. And if you have a chance, I'd love to get a copy of it too. I'm just thinking there might be a snippet in there too that uh, I might be able to use with the event even. Or maybe I could interview you later on. Oh, a copy of our talk? Yeah. Uh, Sure. I can get that to you. That's easy. Okay. Um, And then maybe I can do an interview too. I'm not sure. It's just, it's quite inspiring that somebody anybody do a podcast now we're talking somebody who's dealing with uh alzheimer's and doing a podcast at 80 and it is a bit of a therapy as you've mentioned in some of your uh talks that's inspiring in itself like that could trigger somebody oh i could maybe do something like that you know what i mean you know i think the whole secret is to look at what you have and then 
what can you make out of it? <laughs> you know, it's not saying I don't have this, I'm too old, you know, I can't do this. If only, you know, you get rid of all of that and you just put in your hands here what you have. I have a son that teaches podcasting. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> my father, when he was still heavily in Alzheimer's, it was, uh, I don't know, a few months before he passed away. Uh, he wasn't extremely verbal near the end, but a little bit. I remember he was like this. My brother and I were visiting, two of my brothers, and he was like this. And we were chatting. Now, he wasn't hearing what we were saying. But what came out of his mouth, we were not complaining. We were just talking. But he was hearing something different, which sometimes happens, right? Mm -hmm. He looked up and he said, don't talk about what you don't have. Talk about what you do have. Just what you said just now. And I thought, oh, my God, Father. Absolutely. You're amazing even now. Absolutely. And you know, you said your parents came out of the depression. My mom and dad did too. And my mom would look at something that other people would throw away and she would make something out of it. You know, she drank uh, grape juice out of those great big tin cans. So she saved the cans. And when she got six or eight of them, she wrapped string around them. Then she wrapped newspapers around them. She covered them with cloth, had an ottoman, put her feet up on it. You know, we've lost that skill of not what you don't have, but what do you have here and what can you do with it? And I'm so glad you're going to take that to other people. You know, maybe we could talk, would once a month work for you? Could we yeah, do that? would be awesome. Yeah. I have enjoyed this so much. Me too. This has been Marjorie Clayton. And uh, I thank you so much for joining me. I hope people will look up your photos online and stay tuned for developments in Marjorie's life.